Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So today is our last rooted sermon um, on why the church is important. And here's where I want to start. I want to start with a droplet of water. A droplet of water. As you look at this droplet of water, I would, I would ask you, how would you describe this droplet of water? What do you see? If I told you this came out of, uh, this droplet of water came out of the ocean, I asked you, how would you describe it? Well, maybe you would say, um, well, it's wet. <laughs> maybe you use the word moist, one of my least favorite words. Maybe uh, you would say, it's clear, like what you see on the outside is all, it's, you'll see that in the inside, exterior or interior, same thing. Um, maybe you look at water and you instantly go to the, the molecular makeup. It's H2O, hydrogens and oxygens, uh, hydrogens and oxygen. Um, maybe, maybe you think it's in this form right now, but when it hits the ground, the surface, you think of it, it gets flat, but it's still, it's still liquid form. I don't know how you would describe it. But I, I think about this, and I think all the different ways and all those different answers. And I'm saying, you wouldn't be, you're not wrong. All those different ways, yeah. That, that's a good description of this drop of water. Well, there is a photographer named Jan Van Eichken, and he pulls water out of the ocean. And the way he would describe a drop of water would sound very differently. What he does is he takes these drops of water and he puts them under a microscope and he is a photographer. And what he does, his work is that he um, takes pictures of what is inside the water. And here's an example from the National Geographic of what he might see, how he might describe this droplet of water. So he pulls out these droplets of water. He says he could spend weeks working on one droplet of water, and he sees organisms like this, and he, he takes pictures of them. Look at this thing. This is a water flea um, with its own embryos. Like, look at the colors. Look at the distinct body parts there. This is li- living systems. This is two generations right here before our eyes, right? And so you could look at this, and you see the, the functioning, the distinct parts inside the droplet. Of water, something that we couldn't see with our naked eyes, something we would have no idea, could never, in my wildest imagination, describe would live inside a droplet of water. Terry's grossed out right now. This is from the ocean, Terry. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so here's the point. Here's the point. He is able to get that through a microscope to take a picture of something that is inside that we would never be able to see from our casual observations, right? But he would describe the, the water. And from his vantage point, he would describe what was inside that water. And again, who knew? Who knew that all of this existed inside a droplet of water? That it contains so much more than we could describe from our vantage point, from our experience of a droplet of water. Yes, this truly exists inside water, right? Underneath the superficial appearance of what could be in a droplet of water. And I think about this, and I think in the same way, guys. So in the same way, I want us to get out the microscope today. And I want us to take an insider view of the church. I want us to look beyond what we may come up with from our our, uh, superficial 
maybe our naked eye observation of the church. And I want to see what exists underneath the microscope from a biblical view of what is inside, what makes up what the church could be. Because I think this, I think that if we have just a superficial view of the church, it can leave us indifferent, indifferent about the church. It can leave us going, meh, you know, like take it or leave it. Maybe, maybe so, maybe not this week, right? But from one, from one vantage point, from one vantage point, if I asked you, well, how would you describe church? Maybe you would say something like, well, church is something I do on Sundays, right? Or maybe you would say, well, church is, it's valid. It's successful if it's big and growing. It's for gathered. It's for people to come. It's for a lot of people to come. Maybe you would say that church is something that does good for the city. You think of pads or you think of soup kitchens. Maybe you would say that um, church is, it's like, uh, it's a service that I show up to and I'm kind of part of the audience and I come and I watch some people play music on the stage and I, I watch someone um, give a message, try to give an engaging <laughs> message, an entertaining message, something that maybe makes me feel good. Makes me feel uplifted and encouraged. Maybe, um, maybe you would describe church and you would say something like this. Um, well, church is something that I do because it's part of my holiday uh, celebration. I think of Christmas Eve and I think of church, right? Or maybe you think, I've heard this, um, my kids, I want my kids to go to church because I had church experience and I want that for them. I want that for them too, right? And yeah, I could hear all those descriptions and I could say, yeah, I, I see why you would say that. You're not wrong, right? I, I could see why you would say that's what church is about. But what I want to do is I want to get out the microscope and see if our, dis- our description, our vantage point would line up with what Jesus has to say about church. I want us to see beyond our ideas, our culture's ideas, maybe our own experiences of church so far. And what I want us to do is I want us to leave with a bit of awe, a bit of wow, a bit of joy and celebration about how God is using his church, what it's, what it's really like, what it's really like from his mind. I want us to know so we can, yes, yeah, celebrate what just happened in Rooted, but know how we're going to continue as a church. Know what's ahead for us as a church. We can set our hearts on it because just like that droplet of water, I want us to believe going church is so much more. Church is so much more. It's more than what I thought it was. So here we go. We're going to just start with what God says. Good place to start, right? What does God say? So here, um, our first scripture is in Matthew 16, 18, and Jesus is preparing his disciples for their future, and he's going to introduce them to the church. And this is what he says. He says this. He says, I tell you, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is so much here, but let me just break down for a second what Jesus is saying. And this is the first time that Jesus uh, uttered the word church. That might be surprising. You would think that he'd be coming out of the womb saying church, 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 right? But this is the first time he uses this word. And the word, you've probably heard it before. In the Greek, the word is ekklesia, ekklesia. And this is what it means. It means gathering together of believers, the assembling together of believers. But here's the, another part of that word. It means that they were actually called out. So it was this church. It was a concept of people who were called out together. So you have this almost two parts. It's a from and a to. You're called out of something to a gathering, to a gathering. Okay, so um, what exactly is Jesus saying you're gathering to? 
Well, this is what he says super, super clearly. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's what we see so clearly. God is building something that will carry the overpowering, overcoming power of God. That will carry this overpowering work of God himself. That whatever God is building of his church so clearly, the definition we get is something that will put the enemy in his place on this earth. That's what the church is doing. That's what you are gathering to. Something that removes or cancels out the, the furthering of the enemy's assignments and his, uh, his desires and his wishes on this earth, his plans, that the church actually carries out whatever building it may be in, whatever, uh, you know, mission, whatever language, whatever, like, little detail or description it would have. This is what it is about to carry this, this conquering kingdom of God, making it visible on this earth. So when you gather together, whether it is on a Sunday afternoon, a rooted group in the parking lot or a Sunday morning corporate worship gathering like this, whether it's a Tuesday night, small group, a Wednesday uh, prayer, living room experience, worship room experience, whether it is people meeting in the parking lot in chairs, right? In pews, where whatever uh, you know, wherever it may be, this is what we see so clearly. Power is released when we gather around this reality that Jesus is Messiah. We're gathering around Jesus at the center. This is the whole thing Peter had just revealed that Jesus is the Christ, that He's the Son of the Living God. When Jesus is at the middle of that, here's what we know, what we can count on, what we can bank on. What surely is happening is that power is released in. That gathering, that is what you are gathering to an expression of the power of God on this earth. So simple, so clear. This is what Jesus is saying at the center of it. The power of God is there. That's what's happening. The gates of hell are defeated and we know what a a gate is, right? A gate is like an access point. So Jesus is saying, when you gather the access point for the enemy into your lives, your family, your community, when you gather together, that accent point, that, that gate for the enemy, it's shut down. It's closed down. He loses in that place. And instead, what happens is the church where the enemy has come in to, to steal, to work fear in our lives, to um, hold us captive, to do things like Uh, get us to agree with lies about maybe our self-worth or addictions or things we can't seem to, to get over, but that are causing pain and loss in our lives. What God is saying here is when we gather together, the enemy loses his access to our lives. He loses those access points. We take them back, actually, from where the enemy had had them. We keep him from, from far, coming farther in. We keep him from new places of entry into our lives. That's what's happening when we gather together. The prevailing presence and power and mission of God himself, the kingdom of God is actually advancing instead. It's amazing. It is amazing. We see what is really happening. What Jesus is saying is really happening when his church gathers. If we believe him for what he says. So what I want to do is I want to share a story because part of our rooted experience was doing just this, demolishing strongholds, taking access points from the enemy back together as a group. And Mike is going to come up and share uh, an amazing testimony of just this, 
how we could see uh, this overcoming power of God in someone's life. And so, Mike, we've got a microphone for you. If you could share what God did in this season for you. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike. Um, my testimony really is just uh, about the last several years of my life has been a very dark one spiritually. Um, several years ago, well, I, I had a pastor. His name is Joe, Joe Manahan. Uh, some of you may know him, have known him. Um, Met him through Sold Out Ministries, and uh, he uh, was just a great friend, great pastor. Um, throughout the course of life, he decided to do a church plant within his home. And uh, my wife and I decided to go to that church, and uh, he eventually asked me to become a deacon within the church. So I was doing ministry with him, and it was some of the best times spiritually in my life. Like I was growing, I was teaching, I was getting revelations from the Lord, um, and just an amazing time of growth during that time. But shortly after that church started, um, we, Joe and I would, would meet weekly just to talk about what's going on within the church, what's going on with, with each other, and just having that time of ministry where he's mentoring me. Well, I was supposed to go there on a, a Monday or Tuesday night, and I got a phone call that he was in the hospital. He'd been having headaches. We knew about it been praying about it, but it turns out he had a brain tumor. This is very devastating news, obviously. Brain tumors are very serious. Um... He was able to fight it for quite a while, but eventually the brain tumor did take him. So I tried to keep with Shepherd and King, which is the church that he had started, try to keep it going, but that the fact that we'd spent so much time praying for him and so much time and effort wanting to see this healing happen, so many people around the world praying for him, it just cut me down spiritually by the knees. I couldn't do it any longer. I couldn't hold on to this dream that he had to have this church go on any longer, so we left the church, and basically Shepherd and King finally just eventually disbanded. During that same time, while Joe was battling cancer, my wife was also, and I were going through infer, infertility. We're trying to conceive to have another child and just couldn't have it. It was just called you know, unexplained infertility. We had no reason. Everything was working properly. We're all we're both young and healthy. And that was also a very just dark time, for, especially for my wife. This, during that time in our lives, we had friends and family members who were getting pregnant and having kids, and that should be a time of joy, and we should be happy for them. And my wife just couldn't help herself. We get just so angry and so frustrated and just begin to cry and weep. There was such hurt there. And that was so hard for me because the one that I loved the most going through so much pain and I just couldn't do anything to take that pain away from her. So more unanswered prayers. During that same time, if that wasn't enough, my mom also got diagnosed with, uh, with dementia and she's only about like 54 years old. She's not an old lady. She's only about 60 some years old right now. She's in a nursing home bound by a wheelchair, lost her ability to speak. That was really hard to watch my mom go through and my dad go through that. I'm an only child. They live up in Minnesota. All I wanted to do was really just quit my job, sell my home, go up there and just be able to help. But just feeling so helpless and at the time just so angry. <laughs> it's just I couldn't have the faith to even pray for my mother to see if I can have healing happen within her because I saw what happened with Joe. I see what happened to my wife. I just, why spend this time praying for something that I just don't have any faith that he would be able or willing to do? So this has um, been years now going by and just uh, allowing that anger and that, that frustration in my heart just became so hard. But eventually, you know, we realized we need to get back to church. We started looking for another church. We, we end up in Thrive. And uh, we, we like the people here and we like the teachings that are happening here, but I still inside, I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I'm just, 
I'm here because I have kids that I need to make sure that they come to know the Lord. Because I know God is good. I know that Jesus is real. I know that his blood, you know, that, that I'm saved and that I need to pass that on to them. But I had no, no way of really doing that for them because it's just so hurt and angry towards the Lord. So we finally, uh, my wife decides to sign us up for a small group. Um, I didn't want to go. That was the Pickles group, led by Ted and, and Cherie Humphrey. Love you guys. Uh, love the group. Uh, I didn't want to go, uh, but we went anyways. And uh, I remember we were doing a, uh, uh, a spiritual discipline book that we're going from probably some old dead guy. I don't remember who the author was, but... <laughs> And uh, week in, week out, and we're going through this book, and every week as I'm reading the chapters about spiritual discipline, prayer, meditation, all these things, being just so angry every week, reading this stuff and going, God, I know that there's truth in this. It was nothing about the theology or anything that was said about it that I hated about, about this book. The fact was that I just didn't believe that it would work. I didn't want it to say, Lord, why would I spend my time praying when I spent so much time before and I didn't get to see the results that I wanted to see? I saw instead my, my, my good friend and pastor die a terrible death. I see my, my, my mother just deteriorate before my own eyes. And this is happening to people that aren't evil people. Like pastor Joe Manahan was one of the most godly men that I knew. I mean, this guy ran marathons in life, but he also ran marathons in prayer. I, dare you to find somebody who pray more for the Chicagoland area than Pastor Joe did. And my dad is a man who loves the word and saturates himself in the word every single day, even during this terrible time in his life, never wavered in his faith. Such admiration and respect for him, for how steady he's been in this, because I couldn't do it. I'm angry and I'm frustrated. But then eventually the, the, the Roots group happens, and... Uh, uh, and in a word of what happened from before and after is just healing. That anger and that frustration is just not there any longer. I have hope and I have love and I have faith that there's, that God can do what he wants to do, that he can answer my prayers. I'm praying again. I have just faith. So in a word, it's been healing. You may ask, well, what happened? What changed? There was no one thing. There was no lightning bolt that hit me. And all of a sudden, here goes Mike. Here's your healing that you've been asking for. What happened was just day in, day out, week in, week out, just meeting with these people, being vulnerable with them as I'm being vulnerable with you right now, letting them know like, this is where I'm at. I borderline hate God right now. I don't understand. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I know that I'm in the wrong. I know that God, you know, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Who am I that you even think of me? Like, I know those things. But yet this hurt and this frustration is so deep within me, I just, I can't let it go. Yet week in, week out, just being vulnerable, and then them being vulnerable with me, and then being prayed for, and then seeing prayers begin to be answered within our own group has been so healing um, for me within these last 10 weeks. For that, I'm just really thankful. Such a clear picture of taking back that territory from the enemy, those places where anger, were, they were allowed to have roots and strongholds, right? And just taking back those access points, overcoming by the power of God. And this is exactly what Jesus said. This is what my church is. I want you to have this vantage point, this description in your mind about church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So this is what we're gathered to. 
We are gathered to, we're called out of those places of isolation. We're called out of living kind of just that independent, self-centered, like I got this life. We're called together to something that carries the actual power of the resurrection of Jesus, right? That we get, we're called out of living for just maybe accumulating things or living for what the world would say is success. And we're called to carry this mission of God to win back what Jesus died for, to win back lives, to win back territory, every square inch of this earth. And so I love this description. Let me ask you from that perspective, does this gathering matter? Does church matter? It is not a small thing when we see before our eyes exact, exact examples of what God said, this is what my church will do. This is her purpose. This is the call and the destiny. And so here's what else I want to ask you. Where else can you get what Jesus is offering here? Where else could you get this? Where else could you get this offer of I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Where else can you get the offer of purpose that cannot be stopped? Do you see that in the promise of this, in in the scripture, there's a promise of victory. It's a promise. Where else can you get an offer that you're going to sign up for something that is going to have ultimate victory in the end? It's being on the winning team. Where else are you promised to be a part of something that's making eternal impact of all the things we can give our lives to, our time to, our hearts to, something that is going to take back from the enemy for the kingdom of God? Where else, where else can you get this? And I look at this picture and we're looking at it again from this vantage point, this biblical viewpoint, the microscope that God offers us. And we see church is so much more. It's so much more. And so I want to take one more look at what God says about his church. And this is um, a, 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 someone, a writer of the Hebrews, someone wrote this uh, in Hebrews. And um, they said this, <laughs> they said this, whoever, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. And Paul, I know Paul wrote this, and I want you to see this one. It's another example, description of church from God's viewpoint. And he says this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I put those two together to get a good view of what church is really, and it's more than activity and platforms or places to go on a Sunday morning or traditions. Here's what we see. It is a body working together for growth towards maturity. It is a group of people that come in gathered settings as God's church where we get encouragement. We get strength. We get love. We get the support that is needed, that God designed for us to have in this life. This is what the scripture is saying. We get what we need, and at the same time, we give others what they need. We get the valuable work of of being that for someone else. It's, we are able to give each other what's essential, what, what's lacking in and of our own independent, individual, self-contained lives. So we, uh, every once in a while, head up to Wisconsin, Kevin and I do, and um, we drive down these rural roads in Wisconsin, and 
he loves to get out and just drive. And we are, we usually just drive past kind of like farm after farm. And we drive past these farms and I see, I look at these farms, these big, huge fields of corn or grain and there's a little house out in the distance out beyond the fields. And I, I see that little house out there and their little farm stand by the driveway. And I always do this either internal or external. Would you rather with myself? And I always think, would you rather, Molly, would you rather live out here in rural Wisconsin than in suburban Chicago? Would you rather? And instantly as I start thinking about it and I think about all the great things, like I always picture the farm to table meal on the gingham tablecloth, you know, and in the country air. And I start thinking about it, but instantly I think about this. I think cup of sugar, cup of sugar. Like Molly, what happens when you're baking and you run out of your butter, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but I am a regular borrower. Like I send out a regular SOS text. Like I am making crumb cake and I, I don't have enough cinnamon. And so I, I need some cinnamon, you know? And so I meet my neighbor out in between our two houses. It takes 30 seconds to get there and get the cinnamon back in and I'm going, right? But I'm regularly out of eggs mid-bake or I'm out of flour. I started the bread and, I, and I'm a cup short, right? And, and I wonder, how come I'm not getting these texts? Like, am I the only one? Like, I don't get it. Like, I run out of ingredients all the time. And I think about this and I think, what would I do if I lived in the country? Like, what would I do? Like, you know, not bake? <laughs> like, not eat? Like, what's going to happen? So I, instantly, my farm dreams end right there. Right there. It's over. No, I will not ever live like more than a couple feet from someone who can help fill my pantry, right? And while a loaf of pumpkin bread is trivial, I think about how much more do we find ourselves in real need in this life? I mean, how much more do we find ourselves in those moments where we're like, I am in the middle of difficulty and I know that I don't have what it takes to get through this thing. Maybe it's at work or it's with your kids or it's with your health where we can turn to a neighbor and say, listen, I am lacking faith for this tonight. Like, I don't have any. Can you share what you have? I am lacking perspective on this thing, and I need someone to talk me through it now. Like, this is an emergency, right? Can I borrow a bit of your faith? Because you might have what I don't have to get through this recipe of life. I don't have everything in my own pantry. I am out, and this life requires faith, doesn't it? You guys, this glorious mission that we are on. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not. I mean, how many times do we think like, am I crazy to believe this? Am I crazy to live like this? Am I crazy to give everything up for Jesus? Am I crazy to believe and talk to someone who is unseen? Am I crazy to pray for that person, for that, that miracle that, you know, it sounds crazy coming out of my mouth. We're called to live as aliens and foreigners And sometimes we just need a reality check from another citizen from heaven going, no, no, you're still on the right track here. No, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. No, I get that you're tired, but you got this. Like you can keep on like, here's, here is a word of hope. Here is a bit of truth. Here's some wisdom from the King of Kings here. I've got it for you. I got you right. I can open up the pantry of my life and give you what you can't get on your own. This is exactly what God has designed for his church because we live close enough to each other that we can hand it off when it's needed, right? We live close enough to each other. 
And I can't tell you how many times someone has just spoken that right moment, that right word that I needed when I was, my faith was faltering. I can remember specifically running on a trail one morning and I'm running and I'm just talking to Mary and she started sharing a dream she had had the night before that God had given her of me. And she was sharing this dream and I am just sobbing like tears are running down my cheeks. I'm like praying that no one <laughs> comes by me, right? Like, cause it hit my heart. I needed it in that moment. I needed the hope. I needed the perspective of what God saw because what I saw was, was like wearying me. Right? I needed that help. I, Wendy will send me texts of how she's praying, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. It just brings this like whole new swell of like breath. Like, I can, I can keep going. I can finish this thing. God's doing something. And so I want to share one more story. Brenda's going to come up and share a quick testimony with us about how you experienced, how Brenda experienced this very concept of being strengthened and encouraged from your group this last um, it's not easy to move to a new community. It's especially not easy when you have had deep roots in a church and you really knew what community was all about. And uh, just over two years ago, I came down here. I felt a call from God. I wasn't just moving into a new place. I gave up everything. I sold my house. I sold everything I owned to go to seminary because I felt God had called me to that. So it was humbling to have been uh, a leader as a real leader, huge leader in a, in a um, company in my church. And then I became a student with a bunch of people who were um, really, really young. <laughs> and then COVID hit. <laughs> and so here I am without a church, struggling desperately to feel needed and loved and a part of something. And I managed to find, back in April, this church. And um, Wendy asked me to be part of one of the original pilot groups of Rooted. She will tell you the story of how I laughed at her and said, do I have to? And I'm so glad I did, because I started establishing real connections and real, real friends. And um, I felt like I belonged. And so then I felt really privileged and honored to be able to be a leader of one of the groups this, this fall. Our little group, because we're a real small one, but we're powerful, we immediately set up a text chain. And literally just about every single day of the week, we text each other. We text each other for prayers, for encouragement, just to make sure we're each alive. We are so connected. And if anyone needs anything... We're there on the text. And about a month ago, my dear sweet niece, who I love so much, um, was pregnant with a miracle baby, which is another story. And she went into labor two months early. I didn't know what to do. I reached out to my, my rooted group. I turned to them and I said, help. We need prayer. I need help. I don't know what to do. And they were there. And I will never forget how Dave, every single day of the week for weeks, texted me every morning going, how's Megan? If I hadn't had that connection, I honestly don't know how I would have gotten through all of it. But that's what we are there for, for each of us. And that's what Rooted gave us. It was connection. It was community. It was a place to turn to. Thank you. Thank you.
abundant life in your own pantry. God has put them in some of the people around you in their pantry. Some of the wisdom, some of the insight, some of the encouragement, the healing, the where you know that those bits that of God Himself, the the prophetic vision, the encouragement that comes right from God's heart. It's in somebody else's pantry, and so this is what I want you to think about. I want you to think about. Where else are you going to get the strength that you need for your soul? Like the gym, really? You know, like where else are you going to get the wisdom that you need for this life? It's not the book club. Where else are you going to get the fullness, that picture of the fullness of the nature of God? Where else? Where else can you get that hope of heaven on this earth? Church is so much more. You guys, church is so much more. It's more than the culture has said. It's more than our experiences. It's more than our opinions. Under that microscope, we see so clearly that God is building his church. Not my church. He's building his church. And we are just material that he builds with, right? We're not consumers. We're not coming in with our own agendas and our own opinions of it. No, we are so much more. The church is so much more. And so here's where I want us to end. I want to ask you this. With that view that we saw this morning of church, with that view in mind, where do we need to let some of our own descriptions of church go? Where do we need to to hand those back over and change our expectations about what happens in gatherings? Where do we need to start expecting the power of God to push back the work of the enemy? Where do we need to expect the encouragement, the strengthening, the growing that happens only in those groups? And then I want you to ask God, God, how important is it to you that I'm an active part of a gathering? Because more gatherings are coming besides just our our Sunday morning and the groups that are continuing. We're going to be starting more groups up in January. And for some of you, there's connect cards in front of you. If you're not already in a gathering and you're hearing God say, come on, this is for you. This is for you. I want you to grab that connect card and just put your name and in contact info, even if you filled it out before and on the back, just put on, I want more information. I want to get involved in a group. I, I want to be, I want to be an active part of this gathering together called out together. So why don't we stand up and I'm just going to pray over what God has next for us, for you, for us, how he wants to build his church. We just welcome your presence right now. We welcome you to, to speak. God, we're those places where we need our description of church, our expectations of church, our opinion to line up with what you said in the word. God, we just welcome you to come where we thought of the church as weak or something we do or part of our schedule, God, would you just come right now and more revelation of how you're using your church and it's your mission, it's your building, that you're using it in powerful ways. The power is released when we gather. When we come here, God, when we come together with that expectation that we're not coming to be a part of an audience, but that we're material you're, you're building with, that you're using us to encourage, you're using us to strengthen. We hand this whole thing back to you, God. We hand this whole thing back to you and say, it's your church and you love the church and the church is important to you. And in your mind, the church is so much more than what we thought of it as. And God, for those of us who are needing that next step, would you just, would you show us, would you help us to know how do we, how do we come as material, your material you're building with? How do we come with expectation to have your power flow through us? How do we come with expectation to receive power? 
And maybe, guys, maybe for some of you, God's just saying, hey, start asking for prayer when you come. Start bringing people into that where you've kind of just been doing it on your own. Maybe you need to come up and get prayer or start getting prayer on every Sunday morning. Maybe there's a new way of engaging in worship. Maybe you're called to be a leader of a group. Use your giftings that way. So God, we're just so thankful to be a part of your church. We're so thankful that you would have this design in mind for us, how satisfying it is, how good it is, God. So good. We love you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this design, and we bless you in Jesus' name.